whenever we're ready. I'm ready when you are. I got my afghan. I'm ready. I'm Danielle. And I'm Christy. And you are listening to Snacks with Stein. Let's do it. everyone welcome to snacks with stein show number 26 and it is i believe roughly our one year podcast anniversary so happy anniversary christy happy anniversary danielle (laughs) i got you some paper which is what you're supposed to give people (laughs) paper is one year thank you thank you Uh, I also got you some paper. It's printer paper. Um, It's blank, and you can feed it into your printer. So there you go. Happy anniversary. So romantic. I love it. I love it. Super romantic. It is a little weird that it's been a year because it didn't feel like that. Everybody says that, but it really doesn't feel like a year. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Especially with how nuts this year has been, it does not feel like a year. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. You know that's true. The world exploded a few months after we started this little thing. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. It's very true. Super weird. So. Mm-hmm. Well, um to get me through this anniversary, <laughs> I I have I have lots of chocolate because um Halloween has happened. Yeah. And I have home. done my due diligence of rating everyone's chocolate. And I've Good got job. a classic Reese's peanut butter cup. Ew. I have a miniature Kit Kat. I have an almond joy. Uh, boo hiss, boo. Boo hiss. Oh, are you a mounds <laughs> person? I am a no nuts person because I am allergic. <laughs> oh, so you don't feel like a nut. Nope. If I felt like a nut, I'd <laughs> Oh, like 100% straight up any nut yeah. allergy? Not, it's mostly, it's tree nuts, really. It's not like, pe- peanuts are not even a nut anyway, but it's tree nuts, so. And almonds are fine. Oh. I can, they make me itchy. I just like, I can't do it. And so there's so many are things okay, but... Well, peanuts are a legume. Peanuts are not a nut. The English language is dumb and named them a peanut or whoever named them a peanut and confused everyone. They are not a nut. So they people with like peanut good. allergies actually do not have a nut allergy. They have a peanut Correct. allergy. They have, they just have a straight, <gasps> I have a peanut allergy. Mm-hmm. I something. You can have a peanut allergy and nut allergies if you're one of those lucky people. But if you have a peanut allergy, you just have a peanut allergy. Like you're allergic to peanuts and peanut products like shells and peanut butter and peanut oil and you know all the stuff that is made from peanuts i just quit trying like since the kids were in preschool there was always like four kids in every class that had some kind of nut allergy mm-hmm. so just like going forward just just forget it like don't even try it's not worth someone dying <laughs> like, <laughs> no one's getting peanut butter and jelly unless you're at home 
Yeah, I'm that obnoxious person who's like, sorry. <laughs> did you have to sit yeah. at a special table? No, luckily we did not. We just had, it was, you're, you know, they just tell, it's like you, they tell the parents, like, oh yeah, these kids, there are kids in the class with the following allergies, you know, some did, sometimes it was peanuts, you know, and then the parents would be like, god damn it, I can't bring these snacks. <laughs> like, we had, I had a teacher, she was a counselor, she was allergic to spearmint, which I had never heard of before in my life. One of the first things she says was like, do not chew gum in this classroom because if it's spearmint, I will die. So even just like, <laughs> just like the, the air, I guess, you know, the smell. Do you think maybe I she no was idea. just hella cool and didn't want you to like have gum in her class? I don't know. I mean, that was, it was a, it was like a, so, not social studies. It was like a pure leadership class. So we could have gum because it wasn't really a class. It was like an elective. You know, it was like we were doing we were doing student council stuff, you know, and she was the she was the, the teacher leader person. But I never forget that because I'm like, wow, even the air will kill you. <laughs> I guess so. Man, that really but sucks. Had, she took her life into her hands anytime she went out on a date. I know. Because I remember like, the boys I, I did it, they'd be popping that gum all the time. Yeah. Well, now that we've learned about allergies. <laughs> it's the anniversary episode we can shoot the shit yeah the, too bad the gift for the anniversary isn't out isn't nuts then it would have been uh, nuts is the gift that keeps on giving <laughs> okay so this week we have the haunted mask 2 because if you have been with us since the beginning I basically started the official podcast with The Haunted Mask. I had done 12 Screams of Christmas as part of like our special thing for The Haunted Heart, but that was before this podcast was born. So technically speaking, The Haunted Mask is the first official episode for me. So that's why we are closing the loop with another tale of claustrophobia and masks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And unfortunately, it is uh, when we're recording this, it was supposed to be pre-Halloween. It is now post-Halloween. So spooky season is officially over. But we have to go out with one last Halloween story. Spooky season is forever anyway. It is. I'm not all the way ready for it to be gone. I took down all the decorations and the house is so empty. It's so sad. I hate it's it. Super sad. Ours are still up. They'll go down this weekend. I'm too. I was too lazy. I was like, you can have one more week, ghosts. Then <laughs> you come down. <laughs> this was published in October of 1995 and cost $3.99. But the book I received from your friend, and I forgot her name, and I'm sorry. It was in the, the lot of books that she got us. So thank oh, you. Oh, Tina. Shout thank out you, Tina. Tina. <laughs> It was in her lot of books, and it has a Target sticker on it from, like, God knows when. And it was 25% off and reduced to two ninety nine. So there you go. Oh, wow. Good find. And very similar to the predecessor, it's we see the haunted mask, which sort of looks like a really ugly old man to me. Has a big hooked nose, spiders in their hair, these goblin ears, and a large buck tooth. And the person wearing the mask is walking up the stairs of a front porch and is about to ring the doorbell. Really similar to the other book. 
And the tagline of this one is new face, old nightmare. Dun, dun, dun. 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 (laughs) Remember in the first one, most of the characters, they all come back pretty much in this one. So it's the same universe. It's basically like the night, the next day, (laughs) essentially. Oh, wow. Okay. But like the next year. So where Haunted Mask was, it was Halloween of that year. And now we're in the next Halloween of the next year. So a year has gone by. So Steve Boswell wants to make one thing very clear. First graders are animals. Why does he (laughs) feel this so strongly? Well, he is the coach of the first grade soccer team. And no, he did not volunteer for this position. It's part of a punishment. One he earned for setting a squirrel loose in the girls' locker room. The squirrel wasn't just his idea, though. It was partly his best friend Chuck Green's idea, but Steve was the only one who got caught. Miss Curdy, the gym teacher, grabbed Steve just as he was letting the squirrel loose, and it took two hours to find him. Steve was given two choices for punishment blow up basketballs with his mouth every day after school until his head exploded or coach the first grade soccer team. He mistakenly chose the latter. Chuck was supposed to help, but he told Miss Curdy he had an after school job, which was going home and watching TV. So poor Steve prays for rain every day. If it rains, practice gets canceled. But today was another beautiful October day with barely a cloud in the sky. He yells for the hogs to line up. And yes, the kids named their team the Walnut Avenue Hogs. The kids swarm Steve. Andrew Forrester blows the whistle around his neck right in his face. Another whose nickname is Duck stomps all over Steve's new sneakers and Marnie Rosen jumps on his back with her arms around his neck basically choking him. Then he felt her lips against his ear. He had no idea what she was doing but turns out she was leaving her purple bubble gum inside of his ear. It took Steve a while to get it out. Trying to teach these kids soccer positions and plays was useless So Steve basically just played referee as they chased and kicked the ball up and down the field for an hour. Thankfully, practice had come to an end with only one bloody nose, and this time it wasn't his. He started to leave the field, but noticed that a bunch of kids had formed a tight circle in the middle of it and thought he better find out what they're up to. As he approached... How old is Steve? About 13? I think so. I forgot what grade they said. I don't. I, I don't like know they what they said. Last they're, year. they're like twelve-ish. Yeah, twelve-ish, thirteen-ish. Okay. 13-ish, yeah. okay. <clears throat> so as he approached, he spotted a soccer ball on the field. Marnie turned to him and asked if he thought he could kick a goal from where they were standing. Steve didn't think that was a very big deal and wanted to do something to impress them, to make sure that they know he's still better and older than they are. So he takes a few steps back, runs up for a big kick, froze, 
and lets out a huge wail. Steve is walking home when he passes Chuck's house. He spots him and comes right down the driveway. He's in no mood to talk, but can't exactly run away. Chuck asks him why he was limping, and Steve can only get out one word. Concrete. The kids asked him to kick a concrete soccer ball, and he felt like he had broken every bone in his foot. He leans against the tree in the yard and is so angry, he wishes that he could get revenge on the kids for their never-ending torture. Chuck puts on his thinking face, which is really just him squinting, and suggests that they find a way to scare them on Halloween. <laughs> thinking face. <laughs> Do you reminds me, remember, uh, oh, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs? Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. Optimizing, strategizing, coffee break. <laughs> thinking face. Thinking face. So Chuck thinks they should find a way to scare them on Halloween. But Steve doesn't want to do anything too mean. I mean, they're just kids. They're brats, whatever. Steve notices that his backpack felt kind of weird. Like it was almost too full. And he opens it to find feathers. All of his notebooks and textbooks had feathers glued to them. He throws down his backpack and thinks that maybe he does want to do something mean after all. <laughs> it was feathers. a few days feathers. Mm -hmm. These kids they are crafty. feathers to feathers and glue. Feathers and glue and a concrete soccer ball. So they explain about the soccer ball. I guess what happened, I left it out because it was kind of here and there, but essentially the kid, some of the kids had a concrete ball at their house painted it to look like a soccer ball, rolled it to practice just to play this prank. So they're tiny so they're hardcore. and he can't handle it. They're tiny Steves and they can't handle it. He can't handle it. Mm -hmm. Okay. It was a few days later and Chuck had started meeting up with Steve after practice since he began to realize that he needed some help with the terrible hawk. This particular practice left Steve rolling on the ground in pain after Andrew had headbutted him at full speed and dear Marnie ripped his collar off his brand new coat. Thoughts flooded his mind of revenge, but he kept reminding himself over and over again, they're just kids, they're just kids, they're just kids. But as they walk home together, he noticed two girls from his class, Sabrina and Carly Beth. You'll remember Carly Beth as the main character of The Haunted Mask. Seeing Carly Beth gave him the inspiration he was looking for, and he knew exactly what he wanted to do. He goes to call out to them because they're across the street, and he's on the other side of the street. But Chuck slaps his hand over Steve's mouth and shoves him behind a bush. Chuck wants to scare Carly Beth for old time's sake. Carly Beth used to be the brunt of all of their pranks. She was a great screamer and would scream at just about anything. They reminisced about putting the worm in Carly Beth's sandwich and listening to her scream for a week. But everything changed last Halloween. Last Halloween was the worst night of Chuck and Steve's life. Carly Beth wore the most frightening mask they had ever seen. It was so real. And once they saw her, they ran off screaming like banshees into the night. Since then, 
they haven't tried to scare her, not even once, because they're pretty sure she can't be scared anymore. But today, Chuck really wanted to scare them, and his plan was to duck behind some bushes ahead of them to jump out and grab them. Steve wasn't so sure about this plan, but Chuck was determined. It was starting to rain as they walked along, staying out of sight of the girls. Steve noticed that Carly Beth had a strange expression on her face, and they were laughing about something, but he couldn't hear what. The collar of her puffer jacket was pulled high around her face. The girls were getting close, and Steve felt a sudden chill. He turned and noticed they were standing in front of the old carpenter mansion. He didn't believe in ghosts, but he still didn't like being near this creepy place. He pulls Chuck into the empty lot next door, and it was about time to make their move. They let out a scream, they leapt out and screamed top of their lungs. Sabrina gasped in shock, but Carly Beth just stared at them and tilted her head. And it fell from her shoulders. Her head bounced against the grass. Sabrina was screaming and wouldn't stop. Steve's knees began to buckle. Then he hears a soft laugh coming from inside of Carly Beth's jacket and notices a <laughs> tuft of brown hair. Carly Beth popped her head out and yelled, Gotcha! <laughs> Sabrina and Carly Beth are falling over themselves laughing. So Carly Beth is just literally carrying her head with her everywhere she goes now? <laughs> so luckily, she ha- she needed it for something at school that day. <laughs> so oh, she happened to have it. coincidence. Sure. <laughs> so the girls had used one of her mom's famous plaster of Paris heads. Since last year, Carly Beth's mom has gotten really good at them and just keeps perfecting her technique <laughs> using face. <laughs> So they're even more lifelike than last year, <laughs> is what they're trying to say. And Carly Beth pretends like she doesn't talk to it, like Wilson right. on the island. Her best friend. Yeah. Right, it's her yeah. new best friend. The boys try to convince the girls that they weren't scared and were just playing along with their prank, but they don't believe them. Rain starts to come down harder, and they're all getting soaked. So Steve asks Carly Beth where she got the mask from last year, and she starts playing dumb. I don't remember what mask. Steve just keeps insisting that she better tell him. He needs a really scary mask this year, but she won't tell, and neither will Sabrina. Carly Beth tells Steve that he really does not want a mask like hers. It was too scary, and something was wrong with it. It came to life and wouldn't come off. The boys just laugh, but Sabrina backs her up and says she's telling the truth. She saw the whole thing. Steve won't let her go without getting the information he needs, and Chuck yells at him to grab her head. The boys play a game of keep away, and Carly Beth is starting to panic. Her mom will kill her if something happens to the plaster of Paris head. Steve threatens to drop kick it unless she tells him where he got the mask, and Carly Beth finally breaks her silence. Before they go their separate ways, Carly Beth grabs onto Steve and pleads with him not to go to the costume shop. Just don't go. He wishes he had listened to her. Despite having poured the day before, it was another beautiful sunny day, and Hogg's practice had to go on as scheduled. Marnie was once again clinging to Steve's back like a monkey, and he's begging her to please not ruin his wool sweater. 
He was only wearing it because it was picture day, and Mom had insisted he looked nice. Except he had forgotten to bring a change of clothes, and now he was just praying the hogs didn't do too much damage. Steve notices Andrew and Duck fist-fighting across the field and reaches for his whistle to break up the fight, but Marnie had grabbed it and taken off down the field with it. He took two steps and his shoes hit the mud. His feet flew out from under him and he fell forward, right into a puddle. Steve groaned and felt like he wanted to disappear into the mud. His sweater was ruined and there was so much mud, it felt like he weighed a thousand pounds. The only good thing to come out of this was it broke up Duck and Andrew's fight because his whole wonderful team was laughing hysterically at him. I never enrolled my kids in soccer because then I would have to watch soccer. <laughs> well, the parents aren't there. This is just practice. So no one is suffering. Who drops their for- first grader off and bounces? <laughs> no, you know what? That's not true. That There are parents that do that. I just didn't do all that. these parents. I mean, these, parents, these children are terrible. So obviously, the parents are like bye. <laughs> yeah, no, but I knew parents that would do that. Now, I never left mine because you know I grew up on unsolved mysteries, and you know that's not yeah. happening to me. Um, little. <laughs> yeah, first grade is little. First grade is um because kindergarten is five or six, mm-hmm. so they're maybe seven, maybe yeah. seven years old. He's wiping the mud from his face and notices Chuck is standing over him. He laughs and tells him that he looks like a mud monster, but Steve doesn't find anything funny right now. Chuck reminds him that Steve told him to meet him there because they were going to straight to the costume store to buy the you-know-what, but none of the kids were listening. They were busy having a mud ball fight. So he leaves the kid in this mud ball (laughs) fight. So Steve finally made it home after breaking up the fight, delivering the kids to their parents, and then explaining to the parents why their little angels were covered head to toe in mud. He didn't have time to explain to his own mom what happened to his clothes, so he buried his ruined ones in the back of the closet and set out to meet up with Chuck to go to the party store. He was in such a rush that he forgot his wallet but didn't realize it until almost halfway there and had to run back, grab his $25 and avoid his mom again and race back to find Chuck. All Steve could think about was the word revenge. He loved the word so much that he wanted to have it as his license plate someday. But it was getting late and the wind was picking up. They were getting so close to the store, Steve could feel it. He just needed a mask half as scary as Carly Betts. Then it came into view, the party palace. They flew over the sidewalk and peered into the front window. Pressing their faces against the window and staring into the darkness, it looked like the store was gone. They were staring at empty racks and displays and a mess left behind by the movers. Steve's heart Chuck tried to cheer him up and suggested they go buy a new mask at Kmart or even make a new mask out of paper mache. He Aww, knew it was trying. Do still have Kmart? We have a couple left, but not very many. I don't know if there are other places, but California doesn't have them anymore. Maybe like one, one or two. Because they used to be all over the damn place. We never had a lot out here, but there were a few. Hmm. Okay, I was just it's curious. Cool. Yeah. 
we don't really have many Walmarts either. But there yeah, are other places. Are, the there last everywhere. Kmart I remember seeing in Denver was like in a not in a part of town you wanted to be in, and uh, <laughs> with those. And like it was it was weird. It was like a combo with like a Sears or something. I don't know. Oh, oh, they did have those for a bit. The Sears and Kmart. Mm-hmm. I lost my place. Okay. Oh, the mask store was deserted like a spirit (laughs) Halloween on November 3rd. The spirit have sales. Like, we go there now and get stuff for, like, every year they they come out with a new line. So, like, they may have some some stock. But I don't know that they have, like, freestanding warehouses where they would be able to store and redistribute that. So I think they do try to get rid of probably as much as they could. Yeah, I um when I worked for the costume shop in in college, and I worked at costumes, balloons, and stuff, I got to go one year with her to the costumers market mm-hmm. in uh, in Illinois, and that was cool because that is a week long deal where you get like a little pass, and you Ooh. go into this big convention center, and all the um, companies that produce things for Halloween like costumes and props and haunt stuff and decorations Whoa. like they all bring their wares and they set it up in like a huge bazaar and then you have an appointment and you go to each company and you sit down with a buyer and you select what you want to buy for your store and the spirit halloween people were like 30 deep they had 30 <sighs> buyers for their store they would they would move in a pack through that place crazy yeah. That sounds so fun. It was fun. Those big haunt things, too. Like, they're just, like, the shows, like, that show off all the stuff. Like, mm-hmm. I watch, like, yeah. the YouTube videos. And so, like, the, the people, people that buy through. from the manufacturer, that's where they go. And they have a whole, like, separate right. wing of the convention center um, where they have all their different, like, scares set up. And, like, you can decide what which ones you want to buy for your haunt. And the, the best part about it is just about every booth you go into is going to hand you some kind of an alcoholic beverage. I love it. <laughs> because it's in their best interest. <laughs> they're like, yes. Yeah, they're like, here, what would you like a white glass of wine? Sit down and, you know, here's here's a pencil. And he, <laughs> <laughs> Here we are. They're at the costume store. Steve says we'll go to Kmart, make a paper mache one, and Steve knew he was just trying to be a good friend, but nothing is going to top Carly Beth's mask. He told Chuck again, remember how scary it was? These first graders are ruining my life. That's what I need. But Chuck tells Steve it's just go home. He's late for dinner and really shouldn't be in town this late at night. But then a car drives by and the headlights illuminate the alleyway next to the store. Steve grabs Chuck and drags him into the alley. There's a trap door that was left open in the sidewalk, which led to the store's basement. Chuck tried in vain to get Steve to give up, but it was too late. He was already halfway down the stairs. The stairs to the basement were slick from the rain, and with one false step, Steve slipped and landed at the bottom of the basement with a thud. The basement was full of cartons, It would take hours for them to find what they were looking for, and Chuck was still standing outside the door. Steve was ushering him to come inside before someone sees him. 
he looks way more suspicious out there in the light in the rain than he would in here. Steve starts rummaging through the cartons while Chuck keeps telling him this isn't right where they broke in and now they're gonna steal. But Steve assures him that if they find a mask they will return it the next day. He doesn't think anyone will notice or even care. The boxes look deserted. The basement was dark and without a flashlight they were relying on a square spot of light coming from outside to help them see. They found boxes of party supplies, birthday candles, and everything else, but no masks. Chuck was really getting tired of being in the creepy basement, and Steve was pretty sure he heard the floorboards creak above them, but he really needed the mask. Steve's next carton was full of greeting cards. Chuck was opening up a fresh one. He leaned over and said, yuck. Chuck had struck gold. It was the mask an entire box of them. First, he pulled out a hideous purple thing with a worm that was bobbing out of its cheek. They both noticed that despite the freezing basement, the mask felt oddly warm. Steve plunged his hand deep into the box and pulled out a hideous pig mask with gobs of green stuff hanging from its snout. Chuck joked that it reminded him of Carly Beth. <laughs> they both agreed <laughs> these masks are even scarier than the one Carly Beth had. Still searching for the scariest mask of the bunch, he pulls out a gorilla face with dripping fangs, then another bald guy with an eye hanging by a thread and an arrow through its skull. But all of these just seemed too wimpy for Steve. He needed to give those brats serious nightmares. Reaching into the very bottom of the box, he pulls out a mask of a creepy old man. Its hair was stringy and yellow, with spiders crawling through it, and it had a rotting tooth peeking out over the lips. Steve thought this might be it. It even smelled bad. But he wanted to be 100% sure, and turned to keep digging, but the creaking sound was back. It seemed louder this time. The ceiling seemed to creak and moan, as though someone was upstairs walking, but he was sure they would have seen someone when they peered in. Gripping the old man mask, he hears a scraping footstep and whispers to Chuck. He doesn't answer because he was gone. A stab of fear struck Steve's throat. He turned just in time to see Chuck's shadow as he went through the door and onto the street. As soon as he's in the alley, he called for Steve to get out of there, but it was too late. A ceiling light clicked on, and as his eyes adjusted to the now very bright room, he saw a man sweeping against the wall toward a long black cord, which he pulled and slammed the door shut. He was now trapped. The man was so strange looking. He was wearing a flowing black cape with a suit underneath, and his eyes were black like coal. They reminded Steve of vampire eyes. So there he was, trapped in a basement, with the vampire. The man asked what he was doing down there. The store is closed. They're out of business. And Steve explains that the door was open and he just wanted to see if there were any Halloween masks. And again, through gritted teeth, the man tells him the store is closed. He lives upstairs and heard all the noise and assumed he was a burglar. 
Steve tries to tell him that he wasn't going to steal anything, and the man notices the open cartons of masks in front of Steve. He tells him that those masks are special and they're not for sale. He really shouldn't be breaking into stores and asks how old he is, to which Steve replies that he's 12. The man was incensed that someone so young was already breaking into stores and stealing. And obviously Steve? had just interrupted his killer game of D&D because he's in full <laughs> costume. Yeah. All his buddies are upstairs with their 20-sided <laughs> die and he's trying to get back to him. Throw a mask at that kid and get at it. Get out of there. So Steve blurted out that he wasn't stealing. He doesn't break into stores. He had money for the mask and fishes out of his pocket his crumpled wad of bills and shoves it toward the man. The man just keeps... <laughs> Here's money. It's not bad, but it's fine. <laughs> the man just keeps telling him that the masks are special and not for sale, and he really doesn't want one. They're too real. But that just makes Steve want it more, and he begs and pleads with the man to just let him have it and pushes his money toward him again. The man tells him to follow him upstairs, and Steve starts to panic. They're going, to call, they're going upstairs to call his parents. He doesn't want to have to call the police. Steve is freaking out. His parents cannot find out about this or he'll be grounded for the entire rest of his life. Then he got an idea. He could make a run for it. He knew he would be faster than the man. And if he could make it up the stairs and push the door open, he'd be home free. So he counts to three, just as the man turns his back to him and makes a break for the stairs. He races up them in about 30 seconds flat, but the door won't budge. The caped man had reached the bottom of the stairs, and Steve could feel his breath on his feet. Shoving and shoving with all of his might, the door doesn't move. Then finally, he heaves his entire shoulder against it really hard, and it opens. He scrambles out of the basement into the cool night air, tripping on something, but he doesn't even bother to look. He just took off running. He's too scared to look back and see if he was being chased. There was no sign of Chuck. He just keeps running, almost getting hit by a car in the process, until he makes it across the street, where Chuck jumps out from behind bushes. You made it, he exclaimed. Steve was completely out of breath, just shaking his head at him. He couldn't believe that his best friend had ditched him like that, but there was no time for a fight. They had to go. They take off running toward home, everything going past them in a gray blur. Finally reaching Chuck's house, Steve doubles over from the pain in his side, and Chuck heads home before telling him he was sorry that he didn't get his mask. Steve agreed that it was a major bummer, and just keeps jogging toward home. As he gets closer, he hears his dog, Sparky, start to bark. He knew Sparky. Steve was home. <laughs> he was starting to feel calmer, still worried about the cape man, but soon enough he would be safe inside his own house. He steps onto his stoop and into the glowing light from the porch. A wide smile starts to appear across his face. The night was a grand success. He had so much energy that he wanted to howl at the moon or crow like a rooster. But he couldn't tell Chuck. Couldn't tell him that just before the cape man turned on the light, he stuck a mask under his sweatshirt. But then he felt something moving. It was the mask. And it was biting him. Ugh. Steve had one tooth. (laughs) That's a a trick. 
One vicious tooth. <laughs> Usually you need two to bite. <laughs> Otherwise, it's more of a poke. Yeah, maybe it was poking him. Steve really had to stop freaking himself out. He was fine. The mask was just slipping down. It was definitely not biting him. He literally had one of the world's scariest masks in his possession, but here he was being scared of nothing. He needed to get inside and hide this mask somewhere before his mom could see it. But Sparky spoiled his plans. Sparky was barking and whining and acting as though he hadn't seen Steve in years. This alerted his mom, who came to the room, looking very upset. She demanded to know where he was. He had missed dinner. Steve fumbles a bit, but tells her that he was helping Chuck and he was really sorry. He'll go put his coat away and come back down to eat. Before she can say anything else, he races up the stairs and slams the door to his room. Before pulling the mask out from his sweatshirt, he listens to make sure mom didn't follow him up. In such a hurry, in the basement, he had no idea what mask he grabbed. It was the creepy old man. He smooths out the stringy yellow hair and holds it up by its green pointy ears. He noticed that the decaying tooth had a wormhole in the middle. The mouth was in an evil sneer with lips that looked like brown dried up worms. Green goo was dripping from the nostrils, and a patch of skin was tearing away from its forehead, revealing gray skull underneath. The whole face was lined and creased, with scabby cheeks and spiders coming from its ears and hair. Steve was certain that he had the ugliest, scariest mask in the whole universe. He still couldn't get over how warm and real the skin felt, and just holding it was making him queasy. The hogs had no idea what they were in for on Halloween. Even the spiders didn't feel fake. They felt warm, just like the rest of the mask. Steve wanted to try it on for a second. He wanted to see just how scary he was going to look. So he starts to slowly and carefully pull the mask down over his head. But his mom's loud cry of Steve startled him. He raced downstairs and suddenly realized just how hungry he was and scarfed down his dinner, all the while wishing he could tell his mom about the mask or maybe even scare her, but that would just lead to too many questions he couldn't and didn't want to answer. Steve was too excited that he didn't have to be a hobo again. He had been a hobo for Halloween for the last five years, but not this time. This time, everything would be different. He decided right then and there that he wasn't going to tell anyone about the mask, not even Chuck. After all, he left him in the basement, so he deserves a good scare. I was laughing, though, that he was a hobo for five years. Did you ever Did you ever know a kid who was the same thing every year? Like, there was always a couple of those kids who were always the same thing. Because their and, parents wouldn't let them do any different, and they were like, they spent this Yeah, or they just didn't care. Whatever. Right. Yeah. I didn't care. I was like, I just went out for candy. I don't care what I am, you know, so I'll just be the same thing. <laughs> There's five of us. We're Catholic. We used to go to church every Sunday, and we were always part of the nativity. Mm-hmm. And, like, I don't know if mom ran out of time or money or what the <laughs> deal was, but, like, we recycled nativity costumes into, like, Halloween costumes. So we were trying to, like, oh make gosh. the lamb a crazy lamb and, like, put blood <laughs> on it. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> the murder lamb. The murder lamb. But I kind of <laughs> like the hobo costume. I, I feel like I want to be a hobo next year. 
It's nice and simple. You guys look cute in your mad scientist costume. Ah, thank you. It made me think of Emperor's New Groove for a second. I was like, are yes. you Emperor's New Why Groove? do we even and have that lever? <laughs> <laughs> yes, no, it seemed like it was very uh, easy yeah. uh, costume. And we need to be able to move around because we were, you know, as an alternative to trick-or-treating, we were witch hunting, which is basically a rip-off of Easter where we put <laughs> treats in bags with glow sticks and we hit them in our woods. So we knew we'd have to be like accompanying the kids out in the woods. And also yeah. it's tradition in Colorado for there to be a few inches of snow on the ground here and mm. there. So I needed something we could move in. And the mad yeah. scientist is actually pretty comfortable. It's just a lab right. coat and some gloves. Yeah. It looks cute. I liked it. The oh, neighbors the neighbors across the yard did a scav did it we overheard them and we figured they were doing some kind of like scavenger hunt type thing too because they were like oh we still see some you know so they were doing something yeah like we that. always mm -hmm. like we, even when we count we can't find them all so the next day the kids went out and found like six more <laughs> nice bonus the night's over he has his mask and then it's the next day and it is another wonderful hogs practice but everything was beautiful <laughs> go to hogs <laughs> Everything was beautiful to Steve because Halloween was one day away. The sunlight was making the leaves look like gold and the puffy clouds were like soft cotton across the sky. He was staring up at said clouds when Marnie dropped kick the soccer ball into his stomach and he doubled over in pain while Duck and two more kids jumped on his back and pushed him into the mud. But today, Steve didn't care. He just laughed. Sorry. I hear the whispering and I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> no, sorry. I was trying not to okay. disturb you. Roman is brushing teeth and giving me a baso. And uh, we turned in his test today and there was a whole like section of it. He just decided not to do. And the teacher was oh, like, no. hey, we're going to need you to do this, this part. <laughs> I was like, hey, buddy, what's up? And he's like, I don't want to show my work because I know it's right. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I like that attitude. I just know that it's right. He's 10 years old. He's an expert in a lot of things. So if anybody <laughs> needs to know anything. Practice ended at four o'clock, but he was too weak to blow the whistle. His clothes were soaked with mud. He was walking with a limp and he had cuts and bruises all over the place, which was a typical practice with the horrible hogs. Keeping up his I don't care attitude he gathered the kids in a circle around him. They were all shoving each other, pulling hair, and calling each other horrible names and acting like animals. He raised his hands to quiet them down and suggested that they have a special Hogs Halloween party tomorrow. And they all cheered. He suggested that they meet in their costumes after practice and they will go trick-or-treating together as a team. Steve will take them and they all cheered again. So you tell your parents to drop you off in front of the Carpenter Mansion. The kids all stopped cheering and they all agreed that they had, that place is way too creepy. But Steve just kept baiting them and making them feel like big chickens if they wimped out. Marnie asked Steve what he was going to be for Halloween. And she joked he's going to be a pile of toxic waste. Or maybe he'll be a ballerina, which made them all laugh hysterically. Steve just kept thinking about his big secret and let them laugh and have their fun. But tomorrow, 
he would be the only one laughing. Parents came and gathered their monsters, and he took off for home, running the entire way. He just wanted to look at his mask. Chuck was outside when he ran past his house, and he tried to call out to him, but he didn't feel like talking. He just wanted to go home and remind himself of how awesome and terrifying his mask was. Running home and straight up the stairs, down the long hallway, he tossed his backpack and made a beeline for his dresser and opened the drawer where he left the mask last night. But with a trembling hand, he notices the mask is gone. Steve starts pawing frantically through the drawer, tossing all of the contents around the room, and his heart was racing. Then it dawned on him. He moved the mask before school that morning to the back of his closet behind his sleeping bag. Letting out a deep sigh of relief, he gives himself a little pep talk and reminds himself that he has to calm down. It's just a mask and he has to stop scaring himself. Steve finds the mask and starts to smooth out the stringy hair again and rubs his hands over the craggy scab-covered face. He just couldn't get over how cool it was and he couldn't wait a whole day. He had to show it to someone. He had to scare someone with it. Chuck was the first face to pop into his mind, and he would be the perfect victim. He checked the clock. It was one hour before dinner, so we had just enough time to sneak into his house and creep up on him while wearing the mask. Grabbing the wrinkled neck of the mask and stepping in front of the mirror, he starts to pull it down over his head. It slid easily over his hair and felt really soft and warm. He twisted the mask all the way down until he could see out of the eye holes and stepped closer to the mirror to check himself out. Suddenly, he felt warm. Too warm. And the mask was beginning to press tightly against his cheeks and forehead. His face was beginning to burn. It was so hot and it was becoming hard to breathe. The skin of the mask was tightening around his face. His cheeks were burning and a sour odor was washing over him, choking him. He gagged and sucked in a deep breath, but the mask was so tight it felt like no air entered his lungs. The outside of the mask felt normal to the touch, but inside it was like fire. Trying in vain to take the mask off, the hot rubber just stuck to his face like glue. The sour smell was washing over him again, and he tugged harder, but the mask wouldn't move. He gasped for breath and grabbed the stringy hair and tried to push it up from the chin, but it didn't move an inch. A sick groan escaped his lips, and he suddenly felt tired and weak. Every breath was a struggle. His whole body was trembling. He felt weak and old. Wondering if this was how the old man from the mask felt. He told himself that he has to calm down and count to 10. It's just a rubber mask. He just needs to grab the bottom and he'll be able to pull it up. Stepping close to the mirror again, he nearly cried out when he saw his own reflection. The mask looked real and disgusting. The face seemed to come alive. The brown lips were staring back at him and moved with his lips moving. The green goo hanging from the nose was trembling, and the spiders looked like they were crawling through his hair. Steve was beginning to finally feel some sense of calm, but then a cackle escaped his throat. It was not his cackle and not his voice. 
It was the voice of an old man. He clamped his lips shut, not wanting to make the sound again, but it didn't work. There was another frightening cackle. It was shrill and high-pitched, more like a dry croak than a laugh. He wasn't doing it. So who was cackling like that? Where was the laugh coming from? He stared at his reflection, frozen in fear, and then something strong grabbed his leg. He spun around. It wasn't a hand on his leg. It was teeth. Dog teeth. It was Sparky. But as soon as he cried out, Sparky backed away. Even he was afraid of the sound coming out of Steve's mouth because it sounded like his grandpa and not him. He still felt weak and tired when he reached out to pet Sparky. His arms just dropped as if they weighed a thousand pounds each and his knees cracked as he bent down. Sparky was terrified. He tried to pick him up, but he leaned forward and could see that his eyes went wide with terror. He even let out a yelp and went tearing across the room and out barking at the top of his lungs. I love how this mask, like, instead of evil or old, <laughs> like, all these different old things are happening. It's like mm-hmm. his, his, his pockets filled up with Werther's originals. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and then he put on his life alert. And <laughs> That's what I wish happened. That would be pretty good. <laughs> he had a sudden urge to write the publisher's clearinghouse. <laughs> a three by five card. Okay. So Steve wanted to chase after Sparky, but his legs were so weak and his knees wouldn't bend. It took him three tries to pull himself off the floor and into a standing position. (laughs) This is me me every day. (laughs) (laughs) What are you trying to say, Stein? (laughs) Is this man 100 years old? Or Or maybe not. Maybe closer to the 30 You don't know. Describing my everyday life. Right. Sometimes it takes a minute to get up from a chair or the floor or anywhere, whatever. The the floor, especially. The floor is my enemy. Oh my God. (laughs) He didn't understand why Sparky was acting like that because he had seen Steve in masks before, but maybe it was the weird voice. How did the mask do that? And why did he feel like he was a hundred years old? At least his face didn't feel like it was on fire anymore, but the skin of the mask was so tight against his face he could barely move his own lips. Lifting both hands to his neck and searching for the bottom of the mask, he notices that there was no bottom to the mask. He could not tell where the mask ended and his neck began. Letting out a sad sigh, there was no line at all. The wrinkles and spotted skin had become his skin wailing in his old man voice that he had to get this thing off of him. He squeezes the cheeks and tugs, but the sharp pain runs down his face. He pulled the hair, but another wave of pain shot through his scalp. He slapped at it, pulled at it, clawed at it, but he felt each move. Each slap and tug made his own skin hurt. Everything hurt him, as if it were his own skin. His last attempt were the eyes. He thought he could slip his fingers inside of them and rip the mask off, but there were no holes. The scab-covered skin had melted into his. He was trapped inside the face of a horrifying, spider-infested, decaying old man. So he gave up 
<laughs> and went to Costco to buy tennis shoes as wide yep. as he could find. <laughs> the New Balance end. only. <laughs> his throat tightened in terror and he keeps banging his head against the mirror glass. What can he do? The question kept repeating inside of his mind like a chant. But the slamming of the front door broke his trance. It was his mom. She told him that she bought him his favorite black and white cookies that he loves. And his stomach growls. He sure wishes he could have one, but he just had to say, maybe later. He listens to her make her way back downstairs. Then he hobbles over to the bed and lays down. He has no idea how to get the fuck out of this thing. He shuts his eyes and tries to think. Then after a few minutes, Carly Beth comes to mind. Carly Beth is the one person in the world who can help him. She wore a mask from the same store last Halloween, and maybe this happened to her. Maybe her mask changed her too. But she got her mask off, so she'll know how to get this one off. The phone was across the room, and it took him three minutes of grunting and straining to walk there. (laughs) And another five minutes to drag himself to his desk chair. He had 10 minutes to find his glasses. (laughs) He was exhausted. He dialed Carly Beth's house, and on the third ring, her father... It was the wrong number. (laughs) Sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) He has to find it another number. On the third ring, her father picked up. He sounded confused after hearing Steve's strange old voice and thought it was one of her teacher's. Steve tries to explain that he's her friend from school, but he can hear Mr. Caldwell speaking to someone in the background, saying an old man was calling and asking for Carly Beth, and he won't say who he is. So he's going to hand over the phone? No. (laughs) He's talking to her mom, I think, in the background. Hey, hon. (laughs) This old man is calling. Are we letting our 13-year-old daughter receive calls from old men (laughs) who say they're friends from school? (laughs) This scene was really funny. So (laughs) Mr. Caldwell comes back on the receiver, but then muffles the phone again and says, I think it's a nut. Some kind of prank call. Steve is waiting on the other end of the line, and Mr. Caldwell says, sorry, my daughter can't come to the phone, and hangs up. You're a pervert. Goodbye. Steve sat there listening to the buzz of the phone in his ear. He had fallen asleep in the desk chair and was woken up by his dad pounding on his door, asking if he was coming down for dinner. He tells him that he feels like he's getting sick and just wants to sleep. Luckily, dad doesn't ask questions and Steve makes his way to bed. Laying down and thinking about Carly Beth again. But he figures she wouldn't believe him. Touching his new face, feeling the spiders crawling through his hair and around his ears, the exposed skull on his forehead was wet and cold. Eventually, he fell asleep again. If there were spiders crawling around my ears, I couldn't sleep. Maybe unless yeah, I'm 100. I don't know if that's a dude thing or like. Because <laughs> you know how men can sometimes literally switch their brain off? True, true. So, like, I don't know. 
I don't know. I, yeah. First yeah. of all, it would it the spiders would be freaky too. But also, like this is this is an unresolved problem. Like this is not something that you can just be like, well, I guess I'll figure this out tomorrow. I think I would uh, need an answer. <laughs> it's a tomorrow problem. <laughs> but. In his defense, he's an old man, so he he might be falling asleep whether he wants to or not. Yeah, like, I was starting mid- to say sentence. Yeah, I was starting to say that too. Like maybe it would bother me, but I'm also 110 years old, so I just would go to sleep. You know, <laughs> call up his buddy Chuck, and his parents would be like, "What? <laughs> like, hey there, muscly arms." <laughs> <laughs> So when he woke up, it was finally morning. The sun was shining, and it was officially Halloween. He should have been thrilled. It was his big day. But instead, he just felt miserable. He reached up to touch his face, and it was smooth. His ears were small, and he didn't have scraggly hair. His real face was back. Was everything from yesterday a dream? It had to be. This was officially the happiest moment of his life, and he wanted to dance around his room for joy. But then he woke up for real. It was all a dream. A wonderful dream. I hate it. (laughs) I hate it when we do that. Such a cop I know. But now he had to face reality that this was his face. He had no choice but to tell mom and dad and get some help. There was a note taped to his door that said his parents left to go visit his Aunt Helen, but they would be back in time to help with his hobo costume. Steve had to laugh. If only they knew that their son was now a 150-year-old man, they would think he was a bit too old to go trick-or-treating. And suddenly, he had a craving for a bowl of oatmeal and hot milk. He was even (laughs) starting to think like an old man. So he put on his waist-high corduroy pants. and But instead, he try, he grabs a bowl of cereal and orange juice. And he tries to eat breakfast, but the mask makes everything a bit more difficult. Still not sure what to do about his predicament, he realizes, fuck it. It's Halloween. Why not just go through with the plan? Those awful first graders put him through hell, and they deserved everything coming to them. He'd scare the crap out of them as planned, then find Carly Beth. She was holding a Halloween party at her house after trick-or-treating. He would find her and force her to tell him how to get this damn mask off. Mom and Dad came home and couldn't believe their eyes. Steve had put on an old suit and found his grandpa's cane, which he actually needed to keep himself up. His mom dropped the bag of groceries she was carrying, and Dad started to laugh and told him how great he looked. His mom is not a fan of the costume at all and wishes he had decided to just be a hobo again. They quiz him about his plans for the night, and he just keeps leaning against the cane for balance. He tells them about the soccer kids and that he's going to Carly Beth's and promises not to be home late. Before he passes out from sheer exhaustion, he tries to wake his mate out the door. But dad wants to get a picture, and mom won't let him leave without a trick-or-treat bag. Blinded by the camera flash, Steve makes his way out into the night. It was actually a beautiful evening with hardly any wind. There was no moon, but the whole street seemed brighter with all the porch lights on, welcoming trick-or-treaters. His old legs were aching and his back was hurting as he limped his way to the carpenter mansion. 
At one point, he had to stop and lean against a tree to catch his breath. Two little girls ran past him and whispered, He's ugly. Yuck. So Steve decides to take his scary voice out for a spin and shouts, Get out of my way. They start to scream and take off running. Their dad gave Steve a dirty look as he walked past. Finally reaching the carpenter mansion, he spots his hogs waiting for him on the lawn. Despite their costumes, he knew it was them because once again, they were in a giant group fight. He stayed about a half a block away, just watching them screaming and kicking and causing a scene. But this was it. It was showtime. These kids are horrible. Like, yeah, no kinda. wonder the parents don't come for these kids. They're horrible. <laughs> well, but like, again, and, and here we go. Where are your parents? <laughs> we left them there to go trick or treat. Like, and it's not just one. It's like all the parents of these seven-year-olds were like, here, 13-year-old, have my child for the night to take out on the town alone. You're outnumbered and, you know, four With years the 12 year old. The 12-year-old chaperone. Yeah. Fine. 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 I'm telling you, I watched way too much Unsolved Mysteries. Like, so many kids, like, just disappear, like, walking home or, like, on a paper route. And then in these books, these parents are like, eh, let's roll the dice. <laughs> well, okay, if these were your kids and they were constantly being horrible, you'd probably abandon them, too. There's a motive here. Like, it's okay That's if we That's true, but you'd one. be surprised that, like, people are, like, shocked when they actually have to, like, deal with their own shitty children that they created. True. All right. I'll never forget. We went to a birthday party one time mm -hmm. and it was my son was probably in the second grade. So that like nine year olds, maybe like, mm -hmm. uh, no, like eight year olds. These, these are like eight year olds. So it was an eight year old, uh, birthday party. And like one of a dad came to drop off. Cause it was one of those deals where like they invite everybody in the class Oh, okay. And we didn't really know them that well. So like whenever it's a situation like that, usually the parents are like, hey, you know, you can stay and hang out, you know, because you don't, you know, want to be like, here's a stranger's house for mm -hmm. a couple hours. So we hang around for a while and a lot of parents do that. Um, so this dad comes and drops off his kid who is in the class, but like he has a toddler with him who he also just drops off. Thank God. <laughs> no more than two and a half. No. And all the moms are kind of looking at each other like, did that just happen? And we we asked the kid, like, is this your little brother? He's like, yeah, that's my little brother. And then the kid <laughs> runs off to play because he's a kid. He's not going to be like, I'm going to take care of my little brother. <laughs> like and the two and a half year old is like standing there by himself. Oh. That's and horrible. of course, there's a gaggle of moms around, so nothing bad is going to happen to this kid. No. Like somebody's going to go pick him up and hang out with him. But all we were all just looking at each other, like, Did, "What the hell?" <laughs> the dad. So thought I'll never it forget. I I was having trouble vocalizing my outrage, and one of the moms looks at me and says, in like a perfect like Stepford wife smile, "We do it a little differently." <laughs> <laughs> I guess the dad thought it was a babysitter. He was like, bye. I don't know if he was like running off to meet somebody or like what was happening. Like, that was an odd choice. Like, very odd. My husband would never do that. Like, 
just leave them. <laughs> you you know? Do they do they have a do you have a baby bag with him? Like here's no. all my stuff. <laughs> no. No, he dropped his kid and his toddler at the door, and that was it. Wow. Yeah. Sounds like these parents in this book. <laughs> so again, we ask, where are your parents? We always will ask forever. So it was Steve's time to scare the kid. He starts to drag himself slowly toward them out of the darkness, his cane making a scraping sound against the pavement. Taking his time, slowly coming into view, slow enough so they could take in all the details of his hideous face. The stringy hair, the spiders, the tooth. He opens his mouth to let out a growl, but before he could utter a sound, Marnie approaches him slowly and asks if he needs any help. What? More of the kids chime in. Are you lost? Do you need directions? Steve didn't know what to do. This was not how this was supposed to go. They were supposed to be scared. But instead, Marnie is taking his arm and offering to walk him where he needs to go. The monsters were trying to be helpful. Trying to help a poor old man. Steve found his voice and screamed, No! I'm the ghost of the Carpenter Mansion. I'm here to pay you back for trespassing on my lawn. But they didn't fight. <laughs> get they, off my lawn. It's literally get off my lawn. <laughs> and I'm just like, if I saw this mask, I would never think that was an old man. I may not be scared, but I wouldn't be like, do you need remember to go, goblin man? Can I help you? <laughs> They're being helpful. They just watched that citizenship video. Probably. The day before. Excuse me, sir. May I assist you? <laughs> I'm They're a wilderness like explorer. Exactly. <laughs> Can I help you across the street? <laughs> like, I yeah, love Russell just... so much. Oh, my God. <laughs> Russell is the best. The most underrated character. <laughs> They're, they definitely are being wilderness explorers and trying to get a badge and be like, can I walk you across the street? Can I get your mail? Can I do anything? Wilderness explorer. Ka, ka, ka. <laughs> Sorry, I digress. So he's telling them to get off the lawn and yeah. kids in their music. But they don't bite. He doesn't even think they heard him. He raises both hands in the air, trying to look menacing, waving his cane, but instead he just loses his balance and fell backward onto the cement. All of the kids cry out, but not in fear. They are genuinely concerned that Steve broke his back. They rush over to him and help him up and make sure he wasn't hurt. His whole body ached, and it was as if every last bit of energy had been sucked out. There was no way he was going to scare these kids, so he had to find Carly Beth and get his face back. He asked the kids where her house was, and they tell him it's a block away and we'll walk you there. Steve was so embarrassed. He was supposed to be scaring the kids out of their minds, but instead they're helping him walk a freaking block. 
but there was no way he would have made it without their help. Say on the bright side, he did need the help. He did need the help. He did. <laughs> they part ways at Carly Beth's driveway, and even though all the lights were on, nobody appeared to be home. But then in the distance, he heard chatter and laughter and footsteps. It was Carly Beth and Sabrina. Carly Beth was dressed in her annual duck costume. Remember the duck? Oh, yeah. <laughs> And Sabrina appeared to be some kind of superhero. Steve tries to shout out to them, but barely a whisper escapes his lips, calling out over and over and over again until they finally turn to him in the darkness. Carly Beth asks who's there and tries to make out who it was to the dark. Are you the old man that called me? Steve tries to say yes, but Carly Beth just shouts to leave her alone and she's going to get her dad. Panic is setting in. And all he can do is stutter in the darkness. The girls race inside the house, leaving Steve alone and doomed. He lets out one last bitter wail. <gasps> Carly Beth, it's me. It's Steve. Steve Boswell. He didn't know if they heard, but by some miracle they did. And the girls turned around just as they reached her porch. Saying his name, saying her name desperately, over and over again, his throat was aching. The girls approached him very slowly. Carly Beth's mouth falls open and Sabrina takes off her mask to get a better look. She declares that he's disgusting and can't stand to look anymore. He told Carly Beth what happened and that he needed her help. She chided him for going to the party store when she told him explicitly not to go. Steve starts to cry the mask won't come off. It's turning me into an old man. Help me. Carly Beth sighs and says she doesn't think she can. He grabs her by her duck shoulders and pleads with her. You have to help me. Why won't you help me? Carly Beth says that she wants to help, but she doesn't think she can and suggests that they go into the house so she can try to explain. Carly Beth and Sabrina have to basically carry Steve in as his legs had completely given out. They set him on the green leather couch in the living room, and Carly Beth tells Steve that his mask is not a mask. It's a face. She asks if he met the man in the cape and tells him all about the unloved. Do you remember the unloved mm -hmm. from the first book? Yes, but we... Uh, no more backstory? <laughs> we had such an opportunity to learn all about the man in the... Okay, I, it's not over we, yet. Well, we kind, I, I'm holding we out. Kind hope. of did in the first one though with the man. He's a scientist. No, he didn't. He was like, I just made yeah. these in a lab. It's like, really? Okay. Well, well what? Uh, <laughs> what's your background, sir? Did you just? That's basically what they go through again. He made them in a lab <laughs> and all this stuff. So I guess we know. <laughs> I was just hoping no it was like you know one day I decided after. Yeah, I guess not. Okay. <laughs> Steve is crestfallen. Carly Beth is pacing around the room, and she tells him that the caped man told her the only way it could be removed was by a symbol of love, and shows him the plaster of Paris' head. Steve tells her to grab the head. Let's try it. But he doesn't understand. He can't use just any symbol of love. It has to be something that's exclusive to him. She asks if he can think of anything that might work, but he couldn't think of a single thing. Until eventually, something popped into his mind. He tried to pull himself up off the couch, 
but his feeble arms couldn't hold the weight. <coughs> Carly Beth <coughs> and Sabrina pick him up again, and he said that he needed her help to get home. Sabrina asks Carly Beth about all the kids coming for the party, and she tells her to just sit tight and play host. If the symbol of love works, they'll be right back. They head out to Steve's house, Carly Beth holding onto his shoulder and guiding him home. The lights were on at Steve's, and he could hear Sparky barking from inside. They enter, and he immediately starts jumping all over him and barking and causing a scene as usual. Carly Beth picks up Sparky and holds him so Steve can maintain his balance. His mom had heard all the noise, comes up from the den, and is shocked. He tells her they came for just a minute to grab the black and white cookies she bought him. Steve knew these would be his symbol of love, since she told him that she went two miles out of her way to get them, especially for him. His mom's expression changed from surprise to sadness. The cookies are gone. Sparky got into the box and (gasps) ate them. That's terrible for a dog. I know. I thought she was going to be like, your dad ate them all again. (laughs) Nope, it was Sparky, but he lived, so it's okay. Okay. (laughs) Hearing those words sent a shiver down Steve's spine. He was officially SOL. Sparky was nipping at his heels and rubbing against him looking for pets. But all Steve wanted to do was scream that you ruined my life and you're not getting any attention from me, you traitor. Carly Beth tells him to pick up Sparky. He's your symbol of love, not the cookies. That dog loves you so much. But Steve isn't convinced. He bends down anyway, knees cracking, and tries to grab Sparky, but he just runs away. He wants to play, not be cuddled. But luckily, after a few minutes of coaxing, Sparky ran across the room and straight back into Steve's arms. He held on tight, probably too tight, and hoped the mask would just fall off. Sparky got tired of being squeezed to death and jumped out of his arms. He went to pull the mask off, but he knew it was useless. Nothing had changed. He felt as weak as before and worse than ever. Carly Beth put a hand on his shoulder and apologized. She thought it would work, but I guess this mask needs something else to come off. Steve starts to think and remembers the caped man. If he made the mask, he has to know how to get them off. They just need to go back to the party store and find him. Too bad the party store was officially out of business. But they decide to walk there anyway. Well, if you call Carly Beth basically carrying him walking. They had nothing left to lose, and Steve was determined to end this nightmare. But as they feared, the door was locked, and it was still pitch black inside. Carly Beth starts pounding on the door, screaming, let us in, we need help. It was getting late, and a cold wind was blowing, making Steve's old bones ache. He tells Carly Beth to give up, and turns his back to the door, and starts to walk home. But then a street light cast a shadow on the basement door. He figures it was worth a shot. That's where they found the masks, so maybe something would be there that would actually help them. Steve is too weak to pull the metal door open, and after a few tries, Carly Beth finally gets it to budge, and they head down into the blackness. Staying close together, they scan the room. It seemed like nothing had changed since Chuck and Steve were there. Even the boxes they had opened hadn't been closed or moved. 
Carly Beth wants to know exactly what they're looking for, and Steve suggests they just start going through boxes. He points out the one that had all the masks, and Carly Beth doesn't want to go anywhere near it. They do not need another mask. She heads to another carton and pulls out a leotard that has a cat tail attached. She had found a box of costumes. Steve tells her that the costumes aren't going to help either, but she keeps digging. The next costume she pulls out is a shiny black tuxedo, and it looks really fancy. Then Carly Beth cried out, Yuck, the suit is full of spiders. As he stared at the costume, Steve's face started to tingle, almost like a burning itch. She brought it closer to him, and the tingling sensation got stronger. Now it was actually burning. Carly Beth says that she thinks this costume belongs to Steve's mask. Holding it closer to him, Steve starts to scratch, but it hurts. His whole face was burning. Trying to push the suit away from him, Carly keeps bringing it closer. Steve is slapping at his skin, but it's just making the pain worse. His face was on fire again. Trying to make the pain stop, he gripped his cheeks and felt the skin of the mask start to slide. Up, 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 and eventually off. The cold air from the basement fell so nice on his burning skin. The mask floated in the air for a moment, staring at Steve, and then away toward the suit and Carly Beth. It floated down and into the collar of the suit. Carly Beth screamed as the arms of the suit flailed and the legs kicked and thrashed. She let go of the suit and jumped backward. A smile appeared across the old man's wrinkled face and the suit legs lowered themselves onto the floor. Then out of nowhere, the old man did a little dance, arms waving and legs hopping. With that, he turned away from them and once the head was completely attached to the suit, he headed toward the stairs, disappearing into the night. At first they stared in shock, mouths open, eyes bulging, and then they started to laugh, doubling over and onto the floor. Steve was laughing because it was so nice to hear his own voice, his own laugh, and feel his own skin. It was actually him. This was the best Halloween ever because he was back to normal. Carly Beth and Steve practically danced the whole way home. They were both elated. On the way, a creature jumped out from behind a tall bush, baring its jaws. Carly Beth and Steve held on to each other for dear life. The creature had purple skin and fiery eyes, with a worm dangling from its cheek. Oh no! Steve, Steve recognized it. Chuck? He had been waiting there all night to surprise them. Steve didn't see that when he left the basement, he also took a mask. He didn't want to tell anyone and just scare people to death tonight. Carly Beth gives him a shove and tells him to take it off and come with them to the party at her house. Chuck says, mm, it might be a problem. I'm having trouble getting the mask off. The end. <laughs> yeah that was a that was a weird one it was <laughs> it's kind of a weird one I yeah. thought so well I guess it makes sense though because in the first one it was like a demon mask and she wanted to kill people so it w I guess it would make sense that his old man mask yeah, made him it's kind of, like I mean, an I guess old man all the masks 
do different things. Like, we don't even know what Chucks will do. Like, Chucks is a totally different one. But they're not supposed to be masks. They're supposed to be faces. Right. So does that mean the suit is not a suit? It's a body? I guess. (laughs) This went, like, super Ed Gein all of a sudden. Yeah, it's very weird. Like, uh, I have more questions than answers. I feel in in this in this second uh, second book because I really thought we were gonna get some backstory with the guy at the cape. Yeah, I was hoping too. Like they really just kind of retold because I glossed over a lot because they really just kind of retold what Carly Beth already knew. Like he made these masks because they were unloved and nobody liked them, and that's all. You know, that was it. He didn't give any more than that. There was no more backstory than that. I don't know. The old man part of it was charming. That was funny. And I thought the the terrible kids were funny. And when he called as an old man, that was funny. <laughs> like your gang of shitty kids that yeah. like. And I don't like children, but I thought they were amusing because it's just like, wow, it's like every terrible kid in one place. Like all oh, of them yeah. together. And the parents are like, thank God it's soccer day. <laughs> we can leave them all here. <laughs> This is evil, but, like, part of me was kind of uh, doing a tiny little giggle whenever, like, school got canceled and all these people who raised shitty kids and then had to stay home with them. (laughs) Yeah, imagine quarantining with these kids. (laughs) That would be a bad day. (laughs) Oh, well. No, I liked it. It was weird, but I liked it. It was very Halloween. We're done with sequels now. No more. <laughs> well, yeah, just for a while. We actually, we have to, um, the, the next ones that are coming are all Patreon requests for a minute. Oh, right. I've got, uh, you've got one in the pipe. I've got two. Nice. Who knows? Maybe we'll get some more, you know, which is cool. We're, we're fine mm-hmm. with that. So, yeah. So, if you have theories about little old man masks <laughs> and sequels in general, if there is a... Um, certain sequel in a series for either Goosebumps or Fear Street that you felt was very good because so far our track record is not great. Um, (laughs) We'd like to hear it. Let us know. You can go to our Facebook page. uh, Go to Facebook and search Snacks with Stein. It'll come up quite a bit. Uh, Or you can add us at Snacks with Stein on Facebook as well. Um, But the party's really over on the Facebook page. So go over and like the page. And anytime we do announcements, it's coming out over there. We've got a lot of cool people that go on and post their collections and whatnot. So, yeah, go check out the Facebook page. Mm-hmm. So next week, we're back on good old Fear Street. And I believe Christy has switched for us, which I think is a Patreon request. It so is a Patreon request. We are going to get switched done for Miss Angela Tinker. So Yay. come back and see us. But until next time, we are out. Like the sweaters from the back of the closet. Hooray, sweater.